Hi, you guys. Today is the 100th episode of TrailerCast. <laughs> and in honor of 100 episodes, I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I was preparing for, honestly, I guess for like a manifesto of sorts and just thinking about making it to 100 episodes and what is within me to say. So today, I hope that you join me in celebrating 100 <laughs> episodes and 100 times of showing up here together. So without further ado, what I know now. Welcome to the trailer cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. So this week I was, I was having just like a funk, like just like a funky moment, funky mood, and just, I don't know, feeling like gray, like not blue, not like sad, just like funky town, just kind of stuck in this foggy space of existen- <laughs> existential overwhelm, I guess. And I, I know that I can tend to go there. I tend to live there. And I was allowing myself permission to just stay in that funk rather than feeling like I need to twist it into something beautiful. Like, just let it just be what it is, Elise. Just let, just let yourself stay in this funk. And I don't know that I usually do that. I feel like I tend to try to like work my way out of it and like find some beautiful solution. And, you know, like, and I've been working on stepping more into the authenticity of my experience rather than dipping into reaction formation or the space of, I must leave the funk and go to sparkle. (laughs) So as I was giving myself permission to Eeyore, I was thinking about my usual like cycle of funk is, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Like, is there purpose and meaning in what I'm doing? And, um, and where is joy? And how does that motivate me? And, and am I having the impact I'm supposed to have in this life or in this world? And, and, and I tend to like just go through that cycle. So I go with my husband outside and the kids and it was raining here in Southern California, which is never happens. <laughs> so it had been raining all day. We were finally able to go outside and we thought we'd see if Eden wanted to learn how to ride a bike. And so the boys get on their bikes and Jesse, my husband, is holding Eden's uh, pink fur jacket because that's standard bike riding attire and helping her learn how to ride a two-wheeler. And I'm watching this and I'm watching them like go up the street and I'm listening to the boys saying, good job, Eden. And they're just like, they're just like yelling for her to do well, like just encouraging her and showing her like, hey, keep looking ahead. And just all the little like, <laughs> this these sweet brother things to her. And then my husband, as he's holding her steady on this bike, and I look up and there's this like rainbow <laughs> 
shooting through the sky. And I have this moment hit me and it feels like lightning. Um, And what I feel or experience or know is it got better. And I'm here to witness it. And I feel like that it got better came from like my 10-year-old self. Like my 10-year-old self realizing maybe for the first time that it actually did get better. Like life actually, you're sitting in it right now, Elise. Like the magic is right now. And you get to see it and you get to witness it. And there was just like this, I just, like, again, I just let myself experience that. Let myself just take that in and bask in the reality that I am on the other side of the reality of my 10-year-old self. Watching my two sons encourage my daughter in a fur coat, learn how to ride a bike in the steady hands of my incredible husband. What? And it was real. And it's like the rainbow that showed up too. It's like, it's like, because of the storm and all the analogies of rainbow, like it could only have been on that day because it was raining. And, and we were out there at that moment, we were able to witness it. And I wasn't trying to make it be a sunny day. I allowed like and surrendered to the storm and there's a freaking rainbow. <laughs> like permission, 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 enter in. You're not responsible to make it better or to make the rainbow happen. Your job is just to see it. And what that inspired is, is this reconnecting to my 10-year-old self. And so um, this episode is going to be emotional for me, and I'm okay with that. So this episode is dedicated to my 10-year-old self and what I know now. So at 10 years old, um, the first picture or image that like comes into my mind is I'm I'm standing in the window of my upstairs bedroom and I have these turquoise blinds because it's the 90s. And I'm standing there and I don't I'm not crying on the outside but I'm like deeply in pain on the inside and I was was am super stubborn in allowing my emotions out tended to box them in and shut them off and internalize my experience. At 10 years old, in that window, I was doing what I feel like I had just figured out how to do, and I would hold my breath to see if I could pass out, thinking that maybe I would just die. I played, I don't think that's the right word, but that's what it was, like, with the idea that maybe I could just make this all end. And so I would hold my breath until I collapsed and then would wake up and be disappointed that I was still there. So I was, in my own mind, at 10 years old, actively suicidal. I felt like my experience was more than I could handle. And as I'm standing in that window and I start to hold my breath for a Another time, I just am like looking out the window desperately wondering like, what if I did just die? And what will ever change? And at that moment, I watched this like picture of my brother and sister kind of float before me. And it was the first time I decided that I'm going to breathe. There are a reason to breathe. My baby brother and sister And if I could choose to survive and to breathe, then like they were my motivation to keep living. 
at 10 years old, my dad was going to be sent to prison. And my mom and I had always had a really difficult relationship. And maybe the disclaimer I should have started with is that this is, this is my story, my truth, my perspective. And I wholeheartedly believe that there are co-occurring truths and co-occurring parts to the story from other people's perspectives and seats, experiences, and voice. And I think I felt so locked inside myself at 10 years old, parentified, a middleman between my mom and my dad, witnessing extreme violence, being on the receiving end of extreme violence, feeling so powerless to stop, like to stop what was happening in my household, the addiction and the abuse and this, and the invisibility of it all. Because let me like tell you, like we also lived in a gorgeous gate guarded community in this in this like mansion of a home, and we were good athletes and smart kids and and it wouldn't have been assumed let's just say that like it wouldn't have been like, oh sure, mm-hmm, yeah, the Edlers. <laughs> I think we were participating in wanting to do well and to do our best, and I think that that made the pain of what was in our house even harder for me because I feel like I just had to take it in even further. So my 10-year-old self was having like ulcers, tons of anxiety, depression, feeling like I wasn't able to actually like keep it all together. And my dad being sent to prison was like the final like failure is how I understood that. Clearly, what I, you know, part of what I know now is that I was introjecting my parents' story into myself. And what I know now is that it wasn't my responsibility to hold a family together. And it wasn't my fault that he was going to jail. And it wasn't my fault that he was who he was or that she was who she was. That we were all a byproduct of our experience and that house and those stories and how it all came together. And I was just 10 years old. So the first thing I want my 10-year-old self to know is it gets better. I know that that's like a catchphrase and I know that that's trite, but I'll tell you what, it's a fucking handle. When life is that hard, I feel like it's a metal handle to hold on to. It gets better. And if I could give that to my 10-year-old self, I think she would cling to it for dear life and hope, 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 hope that that would be true. There was so much powerlessness in my childhood, so much voicelessness, so much pain, so much inability to explain what was actually happening. I was just a kid. I didn't know. I didn't know who to go to, and no one was safe. People in power were the ones who were the ones that were hurting me. So it's just like this cluster of where do you go? Stuckness? And so what's essential for my 10-year-old self to know is it gets better. Strong, metal, concrete truth. I know that now. The second thing is it gets worse. It gets worse. Horrific, like unimaginable things are still in front of you. 
one of the people that you are living for dies. You never saw it coming, and it's worse than you think it could ever be. And it's still hard. It gets worse. You idealize the shit out of your dad, and he hurts you and devastates you. It gets worse. I feel the desire to be honest with you, 10-year-old self, to know that if I could tell you the truth, then you'll know it's okay to keep holding on. Because just like number one, that it gets better, number two, it gets worse, but number three, you will be okay. And I feel like that third promise that you'll realize that you're not like this character in some cosmic drama, but you're going to start participating in the story, in your story. And you will waver in and out of this. In fact, even now at 35, you're going to still wonder if you are in the driver's seat or some backseat driver. But you will be okay. And sometimes you're going to have to choose to be okay. But you will be okay. Even though it gets worse. I think that there's nuance here when I think about the idea of passivity or being a character versus being the narrator. And I feel like a bulk of my work, of my own interpersonal work, has been that learning how to be okay. Like learning how to undo the destructive experiences of my youth, not internalizing that as my identity, learning the new like core beliefs and core truths. But I, I want my 10-year-old self to know that she will be okay, that that promise will make it worth it. Number four, healing is possible. I know this. I know healing is possible, even the very worst of it, even the things that you haven't lived into yet, the darkest, most hellacious, most unthinkable stuff, all of it, all of it is able to be healed and relieved, I promise. I don't wonder about this. I don't hope this for you. I know this for you. I know it in the depths of my bones that complete and total healing is possible. I feel like that's like the mission of my entire life now is Healing is possible. Healing is possible. Healing is possible. All of it, totally possible and totally healable. And I think that that almost becomes like a, a balm or a, like a solvent to the pain. You will be okay and you will find healing. And, and that almost like makes it, makes you okay in the stuff. But know that. Number five, there are good people. You will be able to trust good people, and this will heal you and help you experience that you are not all bad. So much of my framework was not being able to trust adults or authority because of the harm that they created. And so, so much of my own journey has been learning how to identify and then trust good people. And I guess at that point, even to believe before that, that there are good people. 
So to know that there are good people and you will be able to trust them and that those good people will be better than information. They're like the transformation of their relationship with you and to you is going to redeem the hurt of your first experiences here. So at 10, you don't know this yet, but there are good friends in front of you and good authority in front of you and trustworthy people in front of you. There are people that will have your back and people that will hold your story and people that will sit with you in your shit and people that won't try to like make you be anything else but just let you be exactly who you are. There are so many people that are popping in my head right now. Um, (laughs) I'm so thankful because it's been true that there are good people. Uh, Lindsay Lugo, a whole Haug family. Casey Peterson. You guys held a lot of stuff from me for a long time and showed up no matter what and had my back and believed me and let me be me. I'm so thankful. Six, people will devastate you. And the people you least expect will crush you And you will stay down for a while and you'll even revert back to believing it is because you are bad. And you will come to know that people are people. They are good and bad and ugly, broken. And sometimes their story gets played out on the projector screen of your life. And your job is to know what is yours and what isn't. After my dad got out of prison, I went to live with him. And I feel like there was like this resurgence of belief that like everything was going to work out. And I polarized my parents so much. I made my dad all good and my mom all bad. Like I just, I, I scripted them into those roles. And there's plenty of evidence. <laughs> there's like plenty of reason why I, I put them in those places. And I know now, psychologically, I needed them to be there, like hero and villain, that that was this binary way that I had, I had put everything in a place that I could survive. And there was this great weakness in my dad that I was unwilling to see. And I think that his rejection of me has been one of my most devastating losses. It is the thing that makes me go back to the most internal belief of that there's something irrevocably broken and bad in me. Um, and just his mere like existence and rejection proves it. And I think what happens when I've, I've had those moments of him in my adult life, choosing weakness, staying weak, being unwilling to leave an extremely codependent, disgusting connection, to be willing to, I don't know, I feel like he's just so gone, so gone, and so sick. And what happens for my specific relationship to him is I take it all in, and I just take the projection as if it's me rather than his story. 
And that has been the other work of my adult life, even after freaking grad school and after being a therapist for many years, to still have to separate out what's mine and what's not. What's my responsibility and what's not? What is not even because of me, but because of his own history or his own childhood or his own experiences? And that it's okay to not be responsible for everything. And that when people devastate you, it's not always because of you. Sometimes it is. <laughs> sometimes sometimes we're just, we just suck as people. Sometimes you'll devastate people too. And you won't mean to. And it won't be because of the people you hurt. People are people. And they're broken. And their story gets played out. And it's not always the injured party's fault. Seven, you will underestimate love. So much of your life you have used this self-preservation instinct to stay small and stay in this box and, and let in only a measured amount of love. Push out an incredible amount of love. Keep, let in a very small morsel. You will underestimate love and you will struggle to let people love you. And you will, <laughs> you will marry the most tender man, the most consistent, safe, incredible man. And he will be your sure, steady way. And you will wonder if he actually sees you or wonder if he actually knows how crazy you are or wonder if he can actually, like sit with you in it all and he will surprise you because you underestimate love he's capable of hard things too and big emotions and loss even though that's not his story you can lean on him you'll have kids and you will correctly estimate how it feels to love them you know that because you loved your brother and sister like this. You, you, you estimated accurately what it feels like to love your kids. And you will underestimate severely what it feels like to be loved in return. And so let it in. Let it in. Let it wreck you. Let, let love like push down the boundaries that you think you only deserve this much or this tiny little morsel. You're like a love anorexic. Let it in and feast. Let it in. Eight. You will help others. You're going to be able to go into other dark places because you've walked through them yourself. You actually become a therapist. <laughs> I know that's almost funny. At 10 years old, you're in therapy and you think it's so weird. <laughs> And it is so weird, even at 35. And that's the best part about it, is it doesn't have to be like any other place. It gets to be magic. And it gets to be gnarly and dark and upside down. And you're going to help other people walk through their stories. Because you've decided and chosen to freaking show up to your own, Elise. And you will help others. And I know there's some part of you that thinks that you need this. Like some like return on your pain, you know but you'll help them anyway, 
regardless of that. Nine, you will struggle to find purpose and constantly wonder if you are doing what you should be doing with your life. And I guess I really honestly wonder if this will ever be answered for you or if this is what keeps you dreaming and creating. In response to this, I'd say just be patient with yourself and others. Not everybody thinks it's fun to jump into the deep end of the pool. (laughs) You're really stubborn and you're really impatient with yourself. (laughs) And the bizarre part is that you're so insanely optimistic that you will dig through the shit and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig looking for a pony and sometimes it's just shit and I, 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 I sometimes admire that that sense of like we are gonna find it people there's gonna be a purpose for this and you like want to wrestle it out and sometimes there is sometimes there is or something that comes from that and I wonder again if that struggle is your strength that you keep on turning over your life like a Rubik's Cube. Is this my purpose? Is this the career I should be in? Am I with the right, like, am I in the right profession? What should I be doing? What is the purpose of life? Am I I making good? Have I given back as much as I have taken? Have Have I done well? Is that even answerable? And you will struggle and struggle and struggle. And again, I think sometimes that's your creative fire, that that is what allows you to make different ways forward for people or even, you know, even this podcast. You'll show up a hundred times wondering and creating and turning it over again and wondering and creating. Ten. You don't always have to be an alchemist. (laughs) Some things just are. Not everything turns to gold. That's your old script. Most recently, I noticed this pattern. The self-protection to find a way to turn the hurt into something. And I feel like there's like, I, it's like what I'm seeing now is it's like, I'm not the alchemist. I'm a, I want to be a part of the process of alchemy, but I don't have to be responsible to be the alchemist. And I think that's the big shift. And for my 10-year-old self to just take a freaking break, rest, slow down, it's not all up to you. Some things will turn to gold and it's not because of you. Some things won't turn to gold and guess what? Newsflash, it's not because of you. <laughs> You take yourself so seriously and you put so much pressure on yourself. You're, you're going to like live a hundred million lifetimes in your life if you don't slow down and stop putting so much pressure on yourself. It's not up to you. You don't always have to be an alchemist. Hmm. You know, it's funny as I sit here and I'm like my 10-year-old self is also my right now self. Like all 10 of these things are things that I need to hear right now. It gets better. It gets worse. You will be okay. Healing is possible. There are good people. People will devastate you. You will underestimate love. You will help others. You will struggle to find purpose. 
You don't always have to be an alchemist. You see, we're you, me, my 10-year-old self, your 10-year-old self, we are all here now, needing different things, needing to hear different things, needing to hear how it turns out, needing to know if it gets better, needing to know the end, needing to know the middle, needing to hear from your right now self, needing to hear from your future self, needing to have it all come together in one story. You guys, we are people by narrative. We're looking to know if, how is this thing going to end? Are we going to be okay? More and more, I feel like this like desire and need to like step more into now. Right now, in the trailer, right now, wherever you're listening, right now, what do you need to hear? What do you need to say? If you were with me today in the trailer, my 10-year-old self would be shy as fuck. <laughs> I would be so guarded, you wouldn't even recognize me, a shadow. And my 35-year-old self would be forward and exuberant and extroverted and ridiculous and totally comfortable with being ridiculous because I will own the fact that I am 100% ridiculous and, and I love it about myself now. I'm not, I don't hold back now. I don't wonder now if I'm too much. I am. (laughs) I I am. (laughs) And so I'd want to know about your 10-year-old self and your right now self. And if they're they're different or similar or or, or how this all sounds even. And and how funny and weird therapy is. And how interesting self-reflection is. And how all of our stories are connected. And I'd want to (laughs) know what you know now. And what permission and grace and hope you can offer to your younger self. And how good it feels to know that we have come somewhere. We are on this side now. We are on this side of what has been. I'm going to take a moment just to sit with that. I am on this side of what has been. And I am on this side of what will be. Both. That's the gift of now. I am right where I am on this side of all that has been and on this side of all that will be. What do you want to do with that? I hope that we're here a hundred episodes more to myself recording episode 200. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. To you listening, I want to know what you have to say and what you think and where you're at and what life is like for you and how it's turned out for you. And I hope beyond all else that you continue to write yourself into the story. Write it out. What do you need to hear? What do you need to say? What do you want to live into? What are you on this side of? Both what has been and what will be. And what's it going to be like? To 100. Thanks for listening. 
To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 